What the heck is up, guys? Oh, it feels so good to be back. You don't even know. You don't even know. Okay. Thank you for letting me take a break these past two weeks. Um, I was literally losing my mind. Like, not even a joke. Um, so much has happened in these past two weeks. We have we have so much to speak about. So first, um, the Zodiac Killer. Hello, he was found. Um, I honestly didn't think that I would ever see that day. Like my whole, I I thought I was gonna go my whole life without that man being found. Um, also, Gabby Petito's autopsy was released, and it was declared that she was killed by strangulation, which we all assumed but now it's now it's real um what else is there um brian's still missing a whole other topic um i launched the booby fundraiser so buy a boob for ten dollars five ish of that will go to um breast cancer research and the other five is going to shipping so that'll be over on the 31st yeah um i'm getting three new tattoos tomorrow yeah cool um they're little ones they're not like big pieces um i've also gotten back into animal crossing but i think that it's just a coping mechanism to sidetrack myself from homework so it'll probably go away soon (laughs) Um, and I won't check on my island for another year, just like I did before. Right in time for the new update thing. Um, maybe I'll show you guys my island on my Instagram. I don't know. It, it's in the middle of, like, a total rebrand right now, so it's a mess. Um, also, my plant addiction it is in full swing now. So I now have 11 potted plants, and then seven of them I'm trying to propagate from. It's it's bad. So thank God Madeline and Matthew love me enough to let me stick plants all over the house. Um, I have, I have the hiccups. I have two golden pothos named Phyllis and Phoebe. Pothos, pothos, I don't know. Um, I have a variegated Peperomia orba named Ash. I have a moonshine Sansevieria or snake plant named Sage that I accidentally split into two when I was repotting. So I'm giving one to my mom. Um, I have three aloe plants named Newman, Nunu, and Nitstrick. I have a Peperomia Amigo Marcello named Marcel. Um, Madeline has two pothos. They're basically mine because I take care of them, but technically they're hers. Named Patricia and Genevieve. Um, Matthew just purchased his very first plant that I more than likely will also end up taking care of, but it's an air plant named Bill, I think. Um, and then I'm propagating my two pothos almost entirely because I've had them for like three years and they just aren't the prettiest because I got them as cuttings off of my grandma's huge, oh, I just hit the microphone, huge plant. And, um, I don't know. I got them when I didn't know how to like care for them. So they're just like really viney and not very pretty. Um, not that viney pothos aren't pretty, but like these kinds of vine are not pretty. Um, so yeah, I, I'm propagating the crap out of them to make them lush and full and viney also. Um, and then I'm also propagating three little cutting, cuttings off of my Amigo Marcello. Um, 
some leaves fell off and I'm just trying. I don't know. And then I'm also trying to propagate my moonshine snake plant as well as. No, that's it. Yeah, I'm just trying to propagate two pieces of that for my mom and Matthew's mom. Wow. Um, is this a plant podcast or a true crime podcast? <laughs> ah, okay, okay. So today I'm finishing up a gift for Minju, my tattoo artist, because um, I bring her a little crocheted buddy every time I get a tattoo from her. But today I'm actually, or this time, I'm crocheting her a little plant hanging thing because she has a ton of plants um what else what else what else i think that's it i think that's it okay so today in the spirit of halloween we are talking about the true case which inspired a lot of movies you'll get a note at the end. <laughs> um, for some really weird reason, I feel like I've done this case before. And if I have, that sucks. But I feel like that with almost every case I do because I just listen to so much true crime and I'm super familiar with so many cases. Um, so if I have done it before, maybe this time will be better. I don't know. Frick it. Um, so Ed Gein, now, now is when you tell me if I've done it or not. Um, oh my gosh, wait, I forgot to say something. Grab a snack, grab a drink, grab your projects, and let's get into this. Um, so yeah, Ed Gein was born on August 27th, 1906 in Wisconsin. He was a Virgo. Imagine that. Um, Ed's father, George, was a very fragile man who, as a young boy, watched his entire family get swept away by a flash flood. He was then raised by his grandparents who babied him, as they should have. Um, he was going through a lot. And he grew up to marry Ed's mother, Augusta. Augusta was a prehistoric dominatrix, if you will. Um, bad bitch, but not in a good way. So she was extremely controlling of her husband and was toxically religious. Um, George had a terrible drinking problem, as does someone with the nun as a wife. Um, and I'm referring to the scary movie nun, not as in like real nuns. Um, I'm, real nuns, I'm sure, are great. I don't know. My stepdad was like raised by nuns. Um but this would result in serious physical altercations between George and Augusta. Um, and sometimes they would actually beat the kids as well. So, so why didn't they separate? Catholicism. That's why. Um, in 1902, Henry was born. Henry was Augusta and George's first child. And they had a very rough time bonding with him. Um, Augusta was finding herself wondering why she couldn't form a relationship with her son. And her solution was to just try again. So, in 1906, they had Ed, but this also was not what Augusta wanted at all. Um, she prayed and prayed every single night that she would have a girl because she just thought that males were inferior and she couldn't bond with anybody but a daughter. Okay, T. Um, Augusta thought that God was punishing her for something she had done wrong, and that's why he wouldn't give her a daughter. Um, so, she started to change her mindset about the boys. One day, she woke up and realized that if she couldn't have a daughter, she could at least brainwash her sons to be the best men they could be. Um, side note. So, my apartment doesn't get that much light, so it's really hard to keep highlight plants in. Um, but my mom and I are going to make a really cool project. So, she has this old bathroom stand thing that she's had since, like, 
I was little, and it's metal, but she's gonna, well, not she, but we are going to spray paint it black, hopefully a matte black would stick to it, um, because it's like a silver metal, I don't know if I just said that, and then I'm gonna buy, like, clip-on grow lights, um, and put them on the stand, and then put, like, higher light liking plants on it, and then maybe I'm gonna stick it in my bathroom, because usually higher light plants also like humidity, I think, um, or I'll just stick it in my bedroom, I don't know, but yeah, that's really cool, okay, anyways, um, so if Augusta hates all men, that means she loves women, right? Wrong. Um, she thought, apart from herself, every woman was a whore and disgusting. She basically thought that everybody was terrible except for her, and now she was going to make sure that these two boys weren't terrible as well. Um, Augusta was so extreme and, um, or she was so extreme that she thought that she couldn't raise her boys around anybody but herself. So she made George sell the grocery store that they owned together, which was like literally funding their entire lives. And they used that money to move into a farmhouse in the great dead heart of Wisconsin. N no, that's literally what it's named. Like it's, it's literally named the great dead heart. Um, this farmhouse was not only so isolated in location, but the rules that came with it were isolating as well. So Ed and Henry were only allowed to leave the house to go to school every day. But while they were at school, they weren't allowed to speak to any of the other, other children. Like, they weren't allowed to be kids. So quickly, this led Ed to become the victim of children's bullying. Nice. Not only was Ed being bullied at school, but he would go home to a drunk father who beat him as well. So not only was this taking a toll on him, but the constant stress of wanting to impress his mother was draining as well. And Ed just loved his mother so much because he was young and he thought that she wanted what was best for him. But he hated her because he knew that he could never make her proud. Bad bad story. Um, at 14, Ed left school to work on the family farm, so now the only thing that he did every single day was cohabitate with a small, isolated family. Recipe for disaster. Um, throughout his young adulthood, adulthood and early slash mid-adulthood, oh my gosh, why can't I say that word? Adulthood. Ed was taking odd jobs from people in surrounding towns. Um, people liked his work ethic. Work ethic and always asked him to do the dirty jobs that they basically just didn't want to do. And, you know, Ed didn't mind, because it was paid labor. So, um, in 1940, George, the dad, passed away. The air just clicked on, you're going to hear that. George passed away after a long battle with chronic alcoholism. Yeah. Hold on, I'm taking a drink of unsweet tea. I got McDonald's for dinner tonight, shame on me. Um, after George passed away, Ed and Henry had more time on their hands because they weren't looking after their ill father, so they started picking up more odd jobs around town. Um, Henry met a single mother through one of these jobs and realized that his mother's views were not the case at all. Um, before meeting this woman, he hadn't really spoken to a woman before, uh, and he realized that his mom was wrong. So he started standing up to his mother and telling her that her views weren't the way he thought at all. Um... So basically, Ed became the favorite child. And Henry began teasing Ed for being a mommy's boy and having the same views as their mother, as well as talking bad about their mother when she was not around. And this just made Ed real mad, you know? He was like, dude, what our mom thinks is good. And then the other guy was like, no, dude, I'm I'm literally dating a woman and she's not the spawn of Satan. 
Um, so then on May 16th, 1944, Ed and Henry were outside tending to the garden when a random fire broke out. Yeah, it, it's as unclear as it sounds. <laughs> Ultimately, Ed was able to get out and call the fire station and police. And when they arrived, he was able to lead them straight to Henry's dead body. Um, Ed claimed that Henry started the fire and the wind just took it out of control. But Henry was found face down, completely untouched by the fire. So you'd think police would find this, like, you know, sus, but they didn't. And they automatically ruled Henry's death as asphyxiation, asphyxiation, um, instead of doing an autopsy. Yes, everybody thinks Ed did it. No, you're not alone. <laughs> um, so just like the entire family was unfazed when George died, Ed and Augusta went on their merry way when Henry died. Augusta still had her favorite child, and Ed still had his mommy issues. I mean... Mommy, um, shortly after Henry died, Augusta suffered a stroke, which left her ill for a bit, but Ed wanted to prove to his mom how great he was, so he nursed her back to almost complete health. Um, she was left partially paralyzed, but she was mobile again, and as to be expected, she showed Ed no gratitude for what he had done for her. So, get this. After she recovers from her stroke, she and Ed go to a family farm, or a family friend's farm, you know, owned by someone that they knew mutually- it's just, you know, a normal day. Um, while they're there, the friend got upset with his dog and started beating it. We don't condone that, but it happened. Um, and because he was beating the dog, this the friend, his girlfriend runs out of the house and she's like begging him to stop. Um, well, Augusta just became so upset at the sight of this friend having a girlfriend in the house um, that she had a second stroke. Like she was so overwhelmed with the fact that an unmarried couple was living together that she had a stroke. And this time it killed her. So now Ed's alone. Um, he has no one to follow. He has no one to ask what to do. Basically, when Augusta died, a part of Ed died along with her. Um, and psychologists now think that his mother's death threw him into some kind of psychosis, which would make sense. You'll see in a little bit. Um, so now that Ed had the entire farmhouse to himself, he did not know what to do with it. He basically went around and boarded up every single room apart from the kitchen and a tiny room that was kind of like off the kitchen. Um, basically, he just wanted his mom to still have the rest of the house. So he never touched it again, which is really sad. Um, and then after his mother died, he began going into a nearby town or yes, a nearby town quite a bit more. The town is like Plainville or something. I don't know. Because this is such an old case and like over pop popularized that's not a word is it i don't know um information gets a little misconstrued so i think the town is called plainville plainville i'm just gonna call it a nearby town so after his mother died he began going into a nearby town quite a bit more since he had more time on his hands um and he would frequent a bar owned by a woman named mary hogan um, he liked this bar so much because Mary reminded him of his mom, and he would often just go and stare at her. Yeah. Mary knew why he did this, so it didn't really bother her as much, but that's it's still creepy. Um, so, since he was in town more, he was also picking up more and more odd jobs, as well as babysitting for a few people. Um, people knew Ed was weird, but they just weren't, they weren't scared of him. Um, they just found him odd. So, now that Ed was alone all the time, 
he thought that he could pick up a hobby of reading comic books. Except the comic books were about the Holocaust, cannibalism, and horror. Um, now he did this all in the comfort of his own home, so no one knew he was aware. What? No one was aware of the spooky things that he found interest in reading and looking at. Then, in May 1947, eight-year-old Georgia Weckler went missing after being dropped off near her home. After Georgia, 15-year-old Evelyn Hartley was abducted while babysitting, and all that was found from searches for her were some bloodstained clothes. Two men were last seen leaving a local bar, and their names were Victor Travis and Ray Burg Burgess. Burgess. They were never seen again either. So then, on December 8th, 1952, Mary Hogan went missing. The lady that reminded Ed of Augusta that worked in the bar. Yeah, she went missing too. Um, a customer walked into Mary's bar wanting to purchase some ice cream for his daughter. When he walked in, he immediately knew something was wrong. There was money all over the floor, as well as bullet casings and blood. He called the police, who opened an investigation, but they couldn't find anything for three years. I'm sorry, I know the audio quality, audio quality got worse because I had to turn the fan on, but my upstairs neighbors are so loud, and you're either going to hear like the slight buzz of the fan in the background, or you're going to hear them stomping around in the spare bedroom. You choose. I would rather hear the buzzing of the fan. That's just me personally. Maybe because I listen to them stomping all day long. Um, anyways, the whole town spoke about Mary for those three years, but because she was such a big part of the community. Um, during one night at the bar, a group of regulars, including Ed, were talking about where Mary could possibly be. Um, Ed literally said, oh, she's not missing. She's back at my house. And no one batted an eye because that's just how Ed was. Um, they just all thought he was joking. Just wait till you find out. He wasn't. Um, in the town, every year, there was a deer hunting event where all the men in the town went hunting for nine days straight, basically. They would go into the woods during the early hours of the morning and stay out into the late, late hours of the night. They would only come to town to eat or to get more supplies. And one of the places that they would get supplies from was the hardware store owned by Denise Warden. Ed wasn't much of a hunter, so he stayed in town when all of the other men were out hunting. One night, when all of the men were returning to get supplies, they noticed that the hardware store was locked up and closed. A small crowd was gathering outside, mainly because everybody needed to get more supplies for the next day, and eventually Denise's son arrived and unlocked the door, discovering an absolute mess inside. It wasn't long before he noticed the blood, and he called police. Before the police arrived, Denise's son went to check the receipt book to see if his mom had even opened the store that day. When he saw the last purchase being for antifreeze, he immediately knew what happened. Just the day before, Ed had come into the store asking about antifreeze and claimed that he would be back the next day with cash because he didn't have any on him at that exact moment. So he was the last person inside the store before things went down. Um, police, police rushed to Ed's farmhouse to discover that he wasn't home, so half of the force left to go search for him while the other half stayed to search his home. Eventually, Ed was found in town, arrested, and taken to the police station for questioning. And while back at his home, there was an entire lifetime of mental illness waiting to be unmasked. So, inside Ed's home, it was dark, it was smelly, and it was cluttered. 
as the officers went through the home, they were shining their flashlights to the floor so they wouldn't trip on anything. Um, since their eyes were primarily focused on the ground, they weren't even looking up in front of them. One of the officers felt something brush his shoulder as he walked through a room, so he turned around to shine his flashlight on whatever it was. And when he did, he realized it was the body of Denise Warden hanging by her feet from the rafters of the home. 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 She had been decapitated, gutted, skinned, basically. Um, like, imagine seeing that in real life. I can't. I refuse to. So, in addition to Denise's body, it had around five pairs of dentures, clippings of obituaries, a jar of chewed gum, and so many other bizarre things that you just don't have in your house. Um, unless you're my seventh grade science teacher. She had a char, char, a jar of chewed gum named Harry. And if you were caught chewing gum in her class, you had to stick your face in the jar and spit the gum into it. Yeah, that's how COVID-19 started. <laughs> um, she also threw a stapler at a sleeping kid once. Weird gal. Um, so back to Denise. Her intestines were found wrapped inside a men's suit jacket and her heart was found in a plastic bag in the kitchen. Yeah. They also found a burlap sack and when they opened it, steam came out of it and upon further inspection they realized it was denise's head except she had nails hammered into her ears and then a rope was tied to them so her head basically could have hung up like a decoration it's yucky guys it's really yucky um another officer found a wad of hair and when he tried to retrieve it he found that there was a face attached to it not a head just the skin face face skin um, when the officer looked closer, he realized that it was actually the face of Mary Hogan. So in addition to all of the spooky stuff, also found, no, yeah, English. In addition to all the spooky stuff, police also found four chairs that were upholstered with human skin, as well as lampshades that were completely made of human skin, including a few that were made of faces. There were discarded bones and pieces of bones sitting in a laundry hamper looking contraption that was made of human skin. They were, there were skulls sitting on each of his four bedposts, as if they were like the metal balls that usually go on top, um, as well as skulls with the cranium part sawed off so that he could use them as bowls. They also found a shoebox filled with nine women's genital areas, um, including one that was painted silver with a little red bow on it. There was also another box with noses in it, and there was an old cereal box filled with skin, just skin. Um, one of his coffee tables had human bones for table legs, and he had used a pair of lips as the little plastic bit on the string of a set of blinds. Um, they also found a dress that was thought to have belonged to the 15, to a 15-year-old girl, as well as her genitals, and a tray of fingernails and human face masks. So think like Halloween masks, but they're real faces. Yeah. In addition to the masks, he also made an apron, gloves, and leggings from those body parts. Um, they also found the all-famous nipple belt, which is a belt made out of nipples. I just felt like I had to clarify that, but I don't think I did. Um, and this is just like the recorded items that we have that were found in his home. Since this was a decent bit ago, there could have been so much more that was just simply never recorded or never released. Um, but the most chilling item they found in the home was a piece of clothing that I, you know, I guess you could say it was a piece of clothing. 
Ed liked to refer to it as his mammary vest. It was a vest or apron that was made entirely of the chest piece of a woman, like breasts and all. Um, And this led people to believe that Ed liked to dress up as a woman, but the reason was kind of unknown as to why he had that. Um, Many people wondered if he actually wanted to be a woman or if he just wanted to dress up like his mother. Some psychologists wonder if he was dressing up as a woman to be what his mother always wanted because she always wanted a daughter and was very vocal about her sons not being what she wanted. And other psychologists think that it just had some like a sane, insane amount of fascination with the human body, specifically the female body. Specifically, that was not a word. Um, because of how his mother spoke about women and made him stay away from them. So... Um, Ed said that he would routinely put on the female face mask, wear the mammary vest, and stick one of the female genitalia on himself and then go and sit in front of a mirror and just stare at himself. Did anybody else just, like, hard gulp? Um, and then when Ed was brought to the police station, he refused to speak for 13 hours straight. When they told them... When they told him everything they had found, he decided that he would talk to them only after he had a slice of apple pie with cheese on top of it. Yep. Lock him up. Electric chair. Cheese? Cheese? Hmm. Um, Ed started telling the police that he did not kill all of the people that the body parts belonged to, but he admitted to killing Mary and Denise but he claimed that the rest of the body parts were from people who were already dead. So, remember the cut-out obituaries I mentioned earlier? Yeah, um, Ed would constantly be reading the obituary section of the newspaper, and anytime he would see a woman who had passed that was around the same age and stature as his mother, he would wait until the night of her funeral, go to the graveyard, dig her body up, and then take what he wanted. Sometimes he would take the full body, and sometimes he would just take a few things from the body. Obviously, the police couldn't just take his word for it, because what if he really did kill people? You know, like, what if he actually went out and killed people for those body parts? Um, so, to prove it to them, Ed took them to the grave sites in which he tampered with. Ed also took them to Mary Hogan's remains, since her face was the only thing found in his home. Um, and he had he said... He had cremated the rest of Mary's body because he didn't have any use for it. Yeah, I don't know. Um, Ed also denied ever taking part in cannibalism or necrophilia with the bodies. He said that he simply wanted the body parts and nothing else. Then, wait, what? Oh, they could never pin him to the disappearances of the younger, like, eight-year-old girl um, or the 15-year-old babysitter. Or the two men, but many assume he's responsible for those as well because that happened like right before Mary Hogan went missing. I don't know about the men though. That isn't really his MO. You know? Taking another drink, hold on. So, since normally no sane person would commit acts like these, Ed was sent to be psychologically evaluated, and his results yielded that he had a schizophrenic personality with neurotic manifestations, sorry, Um, which basically meant that he was not criminally responsible for anything that he had done. 
And since he couldn't be charged with his crimes, he was sent to live the rest of his natural life in the mental hospital. The other patients in the mental hospital spoke about Ed as being pretty normal, just a shy guy with the demeanor of a small boy. Um, they said on full moons he would sometimes speak about his crimes, but as soon as the full moon was gone, he was back to normal shy Ed. Kind of spooky. Hold on, I'm sitting very uncomfortably. I'm just keeping this whole thing rolling. Oh, hiccups. Okay. Okay. Anyways, also kind of spooky. The items of Ed's house were to go up for auction to pay for like trial fees, as well as to compensate the victims' families. Um, this auction had been talked about for a while, and it was a decently big deal in the town. Um, mysteriously, the night before the auction was to take place, Ed's entire home burned down, including all of his belongings that were going into the auction. When Ed was informed, he just simply said, just as well. Huh? What? <laughs> the cause of the fire is still unknown, but everybody assumes that someone started it. For what reason is just... That's the scary part. Why would someone do that? Um, Ed's car was actually untouched by the fire, though, and that was able to be sold off. So some guy who, like, ran circuses or something purchased it, and he turned it into a dark tourist attraction, charging 25 cents to come view the car. Honestly, I'd go see it. For 25 cents? Back then, was that a lot? Just kidding. I know that was, like, a dollar. I actually don't know inflation. Um, although Ed was doing great in the mental hospital, he was the only patient that had zero access to the outside world. He didn't require any medication or therapy for that matter, but he was not allowed to leave the institution. This meant that he wasn't really allowed to do any interviews. Um, yet he still had a surprising amount of female admi admirers who wrote to him regularly. I don't know why. They would ask him for love letters and clippings of his hair. Yeah. After spending 10 years in the mental hospital, Ed was deemed fit to stand trial, so a trial was held. And he was found guilty of all of his crimes, but he was still found mentally unwell enough to go to prison. So he just went right back to the institution. Just with charges this time. Um... And on July 26, 1984, Ed Gein passed away in the mental hospital after battling with lung cancer and suffering from respir respir <laughs> respiratory failure. Oddly enough, Ed was buried in the exact same graveyard that he would go dig up bodies in, and he is buried right between his mother and brother. You know, I'm kind of shocked that he would never, that he didn't dig up his mother and try to preserve her body somehow. Like, not to be gross, but I could see him doing that. Like, wanting to be with her forever. And making her into a mannequin. Hmm. Um, anyways, this case took the world by storm and has inspired many characters in shows and movies. Norman Bates in Psycho is based off of Ed. Leatherface in Texas Chainsaw Massacre is based off of Ed. Buffalo Bill in Silence of the Lambs is based off of Ed. And Doctor, the Doctor in Season 2 of American Horror Story is based off of Ed. Um, 
one time I accidentally got Silence of the Lambs and Dancing with Wolves mixed up the movies. Yeah, I don't know how. Don't ask. Wow. That was a lot of talking. How are you guys after that? That was that was dark. That was intense. Um Yeah. It's currently eleven o'clock at night. And I'm about to shower and pass the frick out after probably playing some more Animal Crossing. I've got a research paper due in two weeks. Guess how much I've written? Like two pages. Yeah. I have a lot of research papers due this semester, actually. Well, I hope that I satisfied your true crime needs after leaving you guys for two weeks. I'm very sorry that I had to do that, but I feel like if I would have tried to upload, I literally would have lost my mind. <laughs> it was a rough, rough two weeks. Trust me. I needed to be able to not have any responsibilities. So, I hope that you guys have a great week. Um, buy a booby. You're helping breast cancer research. Um, what else? What else? What else? I just made this premature baby a Halloween costume. I'll post a picture later. It's really, really cute. Um... If you like plants, I can crochet you a fake plant if you don't have a green thumb. Or I can crochet you plant hangers. Because those are cute. Okay. I'm tired and I have a tattoo tomorrow, so I need to be well rested. I also need to shave my legs because I'm getting one on each leg. And I have not shaved my legs since August, I think. They're long. Minju's not going to like that. Um, I'm getting on my forearm with grace in your heart and flowers in your hair by After the or <laughs> from After the Storm by Mumford and Sons because it's one of my favorite songs and I've wanted that tattoo since I was like 15. And if I've wanted it that long, I feel like it's I feel like it's okay to put on my body. Um, and then I'm also getting each of my parents' house number on my ankles it's gonna be sick it's gonna be dope okay i hope that you have a great day night morning week month year life yeah lock your doors and don't talk to creepy men and don't don't skin people please <laughs>